All right. Well, Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, may it continue to transform us. And thank you for the Holy Spirit, who we also know as the anointing, as the spirit of truth, as the spirit of holiness. And now this morning, even as the spirit of glory, we love you in Jesus name. Amen. So Jesus, uh, what we've been talking about is the centrality of Jesus and centering everything on him. We're currently talking about his teachings. One of his teachings was the Holy Spirit. He came not only teaching about the Holy Spirit, but delivering the Holy Spirit to us. And here's the ones we've covered so far, just getting to know the person of the Holy Spirit. He's not just gifts or he's not just power. He is the third person of the Godhead. The anointing, the spirit of holiness, spirit of adoption, spirit of truth, spirit of life. I love that one. And then uh, spirit of glory is today. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of glory. So let's go to 1 Peter 4.12. This is in the Amplified. Everybody needs to pay attention now because you may not be super familiar with spirit of glory. 1 Peter 4.12. Beloved, do not be amazed or bewildered at the fiery trials that come and take place to test your quality as though something strange was happening to you. (laughs) Isn't that great? You know, recognize your fiery trials uh, are not weird. It's not strange that these things happen to you because God has purpose in allowing them. Verse 13, but insofar as you're sharing Christ's sufferings, rejoice so that when His glory, the full radiance of his and, and splendor of who he is is revealed, you may also rejoice with triumph. Verse 14, if you are censured and suffer abuse because you bear the name of Christ, if people insult you because you bear the name of Christ, blessed are you, happy and to be envied and full of life joy and satisfied in God's favor and salvation regardless of your outward condition. Because the Spirit of glory, the very Spirit of God is resting upon you. On their part, He's blasphemed. But on your part, He's glorified. Amen. Can all the church say amen? That's good. It's not strange when you go through fiery trials because the glory of God is coming if you'll allow Him to manifest. Now, what we often do is we pray away suffering. We pray away trials. We, we try to keep away from them. But what if God's glory and His character, His very essence and splendor is wanting to be revealed? Because when you suffer something that the world would be like, man, that's horrible, and yet you're able to have joy in the midst of your suffering. How many of you know that's the glory of God manifesting to that person? They're seeing actually the reality of God that these Christ-filled people derive their joy and happiness from somewhere else than the natural realm. And that's a witness. Exodus thirty-three nineteen. You can write that one down. It's where Moses had asked, show me your glory. And God said, I will allow my, anybody remember? My goodness to pass by. So it ties, God himself ties his glory to his goodness and his loving nature. I think that's important. When what is in God, the essence of God and who He is, is seen in this realm by human eyes, okay, maybe even by human heart perception, that is His glory. I'm going to say it again. When the essence of who God is is seen in the human realm 
in the natural realm. It's manifest. That is the, the essence of God's glory being revealed. That's why suffering, you know, reveals it a lot of times. Uh, that's why Christ in you is the mystery of the gospel. Colossians 1.27, the hope of glory, the hope of God being seen and evident to other human beings. Like that day with Anne at Dollar Tree, the hope of God being seen by that mother and that her prayers were being answered by Almighty God, who even though He is unseen, we love and we believe, Peter said. When that's made manifest, that is the hope of God's glory that He's seen. And so glory implies an instance where God's power and His reality are evident. And people need to see the revealing of the sons of God. Amen? They don't need another church service. They don't need religion. They don't need rules. They need to see God through His sons. And you know when I say sons, I'm talking about both male and female there. Okay? So whose hope is it? Colossians 1.27, the hope of glory is Christ in you. So the, God's hope that He would be revealed in the natural realm. And I think that's a real reason for creation because He is unseen, but He made a visible realm so that He could be seen in this dimension. So whose hope is that? The hope of God being seen is Him putting Christ in you. That's why He did it because you can't reveal God without God. You cannot reveal God without Him. He reveals Himself. He don't need your help. He needs your consent. He needs your consent. Not asking you to fake it till you make it and try to act like Jesus. You cannot be like Jesus without Jesus. (laughs) So whose hope is it? Well, it's not only God's hope, but it's our hope too. We have hope that God would be seen in the earth, in Dollar General, in Crest, in 7-Eleven. That's why we do the that outreach. We're going to go in that break room and we're going to bless them. I don't know, 35, 40, 50 meals to Crest Foods. There's two of them, but we do both of them. And we just go into the break room and we, you know, every dinner has that card on there. We're glad we had the chance to serve you. We wanted you to know God loves you with no strings attached. God sees you. Man, all that woman that Ann encountered at Dollar Tree, all she wanted to know is that God sees her. We've all been there. You see why it's important that we're out of the boat? Guys, we've got to be out of the boat. Let's be out and about. Isaiah 6, who will go for me? Lord, I'll go. I'll go. I'm, not, I'm overcoming all that, that fear and unbelief. Gladys came to me during greeting time and said, I just continue praying that any, that spirit of unbelief will be broken off of us, that we absolutely trust the Lord. Uh, when we're out and about. We do not fear rejection. We do not fear men's faces. Yeah. And then Patty was seeing, she said, when you, was it when you came into church this morning? She walked in the building. She was overwhelmed with the love of God. The love of God. If you'll spend time with Jesus, sit in His love, you'll, you'll care about the lost. You'll care about that little boy and that mama at Dollar Tree. You will. You will. We're not trying hard and memorizing a bunch of Scripture so we can go regurgitate it at somebody. Oh, my goodness. Let's engage with people. Let's care about them. God cares about you. So 
That same Spirit that loved on you and loved you into loving, evangelized you into evangelizing, forgave you into forgiving. <laughs> let Him out, right? Let Him in, let Him out. So both God and all of us desire and have hope for glory that God's revealed in the earth. Now, if you don't desire it, you're either not born again or you're blinded to God's eternal purpose, which is, according to Ephesians 1, multiplying and expressing His glory through His children. Offspring. You are born of God. You carry His DNA, divine nature of the Almighty. You carry His DNA. You're of Him. That's the plan all along, that He'd reveal Himself through His, through his sons and daughters. You know, Chuck here, if I told you, wow, this Chuck, he's amazing. Do you know this is, this is Billy Graham's son? This is the son of A.A. A. Allen. This is the son of Smith Wigglesworth. We'd all be thinking, wow, I bet he carries something. I bet he's got something. Chuck is God's son. <laughs> he's begotten of God. I didn't say he's the son of God, but he is a son of God. That makes sense. First John three, I think it's first John three three. What behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we could be called his kids. Amen. So we both desire it. And it is about family. That prayer Jesus introduced begins with our Father. That is not just a uh He just picked that randomly. It's true. When we're begotten of him, born of him, then uh God is our Father. And so we can express His glory, the essence of His nature, everywhere we go. Our biggest struggle is we just don't believe it. And we're so sin conscious. We're like, well, that can't be me. Can't be. You want to honor Jesus? You don't honor Him by saying He got it all and you have nothing. If you want to honor Jesus, you tell Him, thank you. That everything He inherited from the Father, you became a joint heir with Him. And you have what He has because He's in you. And that's why this talking about glory and His glory being revealed. That's why it's revealed so well in suffering. Now hear me. This is important. You guys remember in South Carolina there was a black church and a white gentleman went in there and shot several. Well, and they, they uh, interviewed the African-American lady on television and they were all stunned. Everybody was stunned because she said, no, they, they're like, are you filled with rage? What are you feeling? No, I love him. I'm praying for him. I've already forgiven him. Christ loves him. That, that man who came in our church and shot at everybody needs Jesus. Now, is she suffering? You bet she's suffering. She lost some of her friends. But I remember Jesus saying, do not fear those who can only kill the body. All they took from her in the regard of friends were the earth suits. Her friends are still alive and they're in uh, the Lord's presence. But when everybody saw that woman say that, the world was shocked. I love what Stacy says. She says the world should be offended by our forgiveness. And people were. Because by God, the world's like, by God, man, you can't say that. We got to get them. We got to repay all the white people. We got to, you know, that's what the world wants to say. 
but the glory of God was revealed through her suffering. Again, I'm not saying in any way God caused it. He didn't cause that. But I'm telling you, when we do experience suffering, 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14, the glory of God can be revealed if we'll allow it. The, and He does redeem it, works it for our good. Involves the Spirit of glory resting upon us in our trials and our tribulations. Everybody say Spirit of glory. We want the Spirit of glory resting upon us in the midst of our trials and tribulations. God wants to show Himself because the world thinks it should go a certain way and God says otherwise. And what happens is in the trial and tribulation that our character, our perspective, and our mind are changed into the character, the perspective, and the mind of Christ. Who is that really talking on TV through the black woman? It was Christ! She had sat with Him enough. She knows Him enough. She'd been in the Word enough, hung out with the Holy Ghost enough, the Spirit of Truth enough that she knows who He is and she was allowing Him through her time with Him to communicate His view of the shooter. Changed her mind, changed her perspective and we saw Jesus' character in South Carolina. We saw His view of that situation. Sounds a lot like on the cross when Jesus Himself said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And then we see it in Acts chapter 6 or chapter 7. Stephen, the first martyr, says basically the same thing. Looked up to heaven, saw the glory and said, Father, don't hold this sin against them. Who is that? Christ! being multiplied i love it jesus didn't come here to be known as the only son of god there ever was he came to multiply sons and daughters see it's sowing and reaping if the father sows a son into the earth what is he hoping to reap what did he sow a son he sowed a son to reap sons John 12, 24, Jesus said himself, unless a grain of wheat goes into the ground and dies, it'll be the only one. But if I go into the ground and die, it'll produce much grain. And now we've got sons and daughters everywhere. And what he's doing right now is lifting up your eyes. The church has been asleep for years in this country. But we are awake. And we are sober. And we agree with who God says we are and what we have. We do not pray, you know, silly Prayers of unbelief. Oh God, I know I'm a worm, but if you might maybe find it in your heart to touch Bill. Cancer is killing Bill, ravaging his body. Maybe it's your will, maybe not. When is it the devil's or God's will to uh, let the devil kick people's teeth in? When, is, when does God ever want Satan taking dominion over a human being? Never. Never. You know his will. So stop praying that way. You know His will because He's in you. And so use your authority. It's time to use what you've been given. He didn't say, ask me to come down and heal Bill. He said, you do it. He gave you power over sickness and disease. Preacher, where did He get it? Matthew 10, 8. Luke 10, 19. I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. You do it. James 4, 7. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Why are we always asking God to get the devil off your back? You get him off your back. You submit to God. You resist the devil, and he will flee. You have authority. Amen? 
And we're stepping into it. Touch your neighbor and say, we're stepping into it. Amen. I, I believe that. I mean, I'm convicted about it. I know we are. I know we're not the same church we were in January. I know it. To my core, I know it. And we're fixing to reap where we've not sown. And when they come in and they got pentagrams on their jacket or their hair is the color you don't like, you love them in Christ. I don't care how they come in here. Are you hearing me? It doesn't matter what they look like, what they sound like. From now on, we know no man by the flesh. Amen. If you can't love them for their present condition, love them for who they're about to become in Christ. (laughs) Go ahead and give God praise for that. Amen. So this woman in South Carolina didn't self-generate forgiveness. She didn't self-generate it. She didn't fake that. She didn't just copy it. It didn't come by willpower. That forgiveness is supernatural. We agree? And the world is either offended by it or they take notice. And it's derived by knowing the mind and person of Christ by revelation of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth, Spirit of glory. We need to spend time with Jesus. If, if being a witness to other people, caring, what we say, care, prayer, and share, if that's challenging for you, spend time sitting with Jesus. Let Him pour His love for the lost into your heart because he loves them enough to die for them well what about you know what about that guy he did this yep he he died for him sure did and he died for him knowing the sins he would commit not only that guys can we be just sober and serious when jesus is in the cup and says father if if there's some other way if this cup can pass from me tell me now Otherwise, not my will, but thine will be done. Jesus drank that cup. You know what's in that cup? All that man's sins. All of our sickness and disease. Every bit of that is in there. Now, when you take communion, you need to get a fresh perspective of the cup you're drinking. Because he traded. Amen. There was a young couple. He was a great uh, great teacher. He was a young man. And uh, married to a, a young lady who was a great piano player, great singer. And they were believing God for children. They were struggling having a child. They finally had a child. Uh, everything was great. Child's two years old. One evening, she, the baby girl collapses in the um, living room. They took her to the hospital. She died that night of spinal meningitis. They were crushed. Funeral came, and some people were just kind of talking, you know, like people do, kind of hanging around. And all of a sudden, people could hear a soft female voice coming from the other room singing, What a friend we have in Jesus, all of our sin and griefs to bear. It was the mother. Now, that is the spirit of glory. That is the overcoming expression of the nature of God that really does communicate greater is He that's in me than anything I'll face outside of me. Amen, somebody? God on full display. This was not willpower. 
This was not scripture memorization. This is the reality of the life and spirit of Christ that lives inside of this mother that was not dormant and was not hidden, but in her humility allowed him to be seen. That's so powerful. Yesterday at the conference, another uh, testimony that John Yule, my friend, had shared. This is so powerful. He got a call uh, to go pray for a woman's house. She had called him. He didn't know her all that well. She'd been in the church a few times. But she said, uh, I need you to come to the house. The devil is in this house. I cannot sleep. I am tormented. So John goes over there and uh, he says, uh, as he's walking in, the Holy Spirit says, John, the devil is not in the house. The devil is in her. And its name is unforgiveness. Right there. John has authority, right? He's about to walk in, but he needs her consent. So he asked the woman, is it okay? Can, you, can I share something? I'm just blatantly truthful with you. And she said, yes. He said, I heard the Holy Spirit say, the devil is not in your house. It's in you. It's tormenting you. And it's a spirit of unforgiveness. Do you have any unforgiveness? Well, she just broke down. She said, John, once she gathered herself, because she was undone. She said, John, when I was a little girl, my father molested me over and over and over and over again. And I have hated him. Hated, hated, hated ever since. And uh, John said, are you ready to part with all that hatred, all that bitterness? And she said, no, I'm not. He said, I'm going to be praying for you. And I'm going to ask you, I'm asking you to talk to Jesus about this. I'm asking you to sit with him. And uh, when you're ready for this prayer, you call us. Three days later, she called him sobbing. I'm ready. So John goes back to the house. He leads her in this prayer of severing all ties to roots of bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, and hatred towards her father. We're releasing this debt. Matter of fact, John had said, Have you, are you familiar at all with the love and grace of Christ? She said, yes. Yes, I am somewhat familiar. The same love and grace that he's offering you, that's what I want you to offer uh, your father. And so he led her through that prayer. They broke those bondages, those soul ties, all those things. And then he said, here's what I need you to do. I need you to write your dad a letter. He, he lived in, in Arkansas. Write your dad a letter. Sit down, and I want you to write the good, the bad, and the ugly. All, all the feelings you had, the hatred, the anger, everything. Write it down. Tell him about it. And then at the end, you tell him what Christ has done in your life. And she did. She sent it to him. She mailed the letter. Three days later, her dad called in tears. He was undone, asked her forgiveness, and he asked her, can you tell me about this Jesus that you're talking about? She led her dad to the Lord, and he was, a very, he was an old man. So the last two or three years he lived, that's all he lived beyond that. They had a Christ-centered relationship for the rest of his days. That is the spirit of the glory of God. Amen. It's not always revealed through suffering, but many times it is. And and I'm saying again, God wants to make Himself known through His sons and His daughters. That when people see us, that they can see Him.
Um, let's don't pray away every trial or every suffering. Okay, it's, trials aren't for trouble. They're for revealing His glory. And stop with the, uh, well, this is probably because of my sin. And who sinned? This man or his parents? John chapter 9. Jesus said, neither. But I'm telling you, the glory of God's going to be worked in this young man's life. People are going to see who God is through him. I love, if you want a good laugh, read John chapter 9. It's hilarious because the Pharisees don't know what to do with this guy. All right, 2 Corinthians 3.18. We'll wrap this up for this morning. But we all with unveiled face. Everybody say unveiled. unveiled. Notice that. You are his bride. He has unveiled your face. I break off of you every bit of shame and guilt and uh, what's the word? Condemnation that the enemy throws at you about your past. Bury it. He has unveiled your face. You are his. Amen. And he is yours. So we unveil face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. There it is, doxa, right there, the glory of the Lord. It's a Greek word for it. And when we see His glory, we're transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's who does it. That's who does it. What's your role? Behold Him. Literally, the word behold means to be held by. The glory of the Lord has transformation power. That's why you don't hear me talk uh, much at all about behavior modification. If you're struggling with behavior, I want to help get you to lift up your eyes and see the glory of the Lord. If you'll start looking at Him, He'll transform your life and your behavior. Does that make sense to you? It has transformational power. It's not all about, let me change how you're acting. No, let's help you get your eyes lifted up for where, from where your help comes from. When I was 20 years old, the Lord knew my heart. I had a broken heart because I felt like I failed Him all the time. I was trying so hard to be a Christian. He said, Steve, put your eyes on me. If you want to be like me, and He knew I did since I was 12 years old, and I saw His picture, I wanted to be like Him. Something I saw in Jesus Christ that said... That's who I am made for. And so he said, I know you want to be like me. Look at me. Look at me. Remember when Moses lifted up the serpent on the pole? Look at me and live. And we let the enemy get us into all that navel gazing. So the glory of God is transformational. It transforms human beings. In John chapter 2, Jesus did a miracle, the wedding at Cana, and this was the first evidence of His glory being revealed. And the disciples followed Him. See? They beheld His glory. John chapter 1, verse 14. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When they saw the miracle at Cana, they started believing. Why? Because the glory of God was being expressed. The nature of God was on display. Something beyond the natural realm that human beings crave. Amen? Uh, Stephen, you go ahead and come. So my last point on this in regard to the glory of God is transformational. Sit with Him. Get to know Him. Lift up your eyes. I love John fourteen twenty one. Jesus said, whoever loves me, I'll show myself to them. I'll allow myself to be clearly seen by them. I prayed for a woman yesterday at the conference, and the Lord was just delivering her of people-pleasing 
And she was just weeping and weeping. And I asked the Lord, just show yourself to her. Let her see you. And she didn't look with her physical eyes. She closed her eyes so she could see Him. Now, the glory will transform you. So the world's job is to keep you from ever seeing it. The world doesn't want you to ever lift up your eyes. They want you looking at all the distractions. Why? Why does the world, the devil, all that system, why they, why they want your eyes? Never know who he is. Never know who you are. The devil can't keep God's glory from transforming you, but he can keep you distracted. And we look at all this other stuff, and this is going on, and this is going on. What about over here? Oh, yeah, what about that? What about this? The glory of God will transform you. Slow down. Prioritize time to sit with Christ. Sit with Him. Let Him, let him take you through the Scriptures. Scriptures should take you to Jesus, and the Jesus, uh, Jesus will take you through the Scriptures. Amen. Will you stand with me? Thank you, Lord. You ever wonder why everybody in heaven's not misbehaving? <laughs> Probably not. Why, Norma, why isn't everybody in heaven misbehaving right now? I'll tell you why. Because they're all under the influence of the glory of God. You want to quit misbehaving? The glory of God. The Spirit of Glory is another name and function of the Holy Ghost. Let's get to know His person. Ephesians 5.18, I'm just reminded of that again. Be not drunk with wine. Don't come under the influence of alcohol, but be filled with the Spirit. Come under the influence of the Spirit of Glory. If you do that, your behavior will get a lot better. Amen? Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask if there's somebody here this morning you'd say brother steve i want to be born again i want to be filled with the life of christ the glory of god i want him in my innermost being if that's you will you raise your hand up as high as it'll go thank you right here thank you right back here thank you brother anybody else i'm giving my heart to christ this morning thank you Anybody else? Four hands are raised. Anybody else? Thank you, dear. Oh, right back there. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you, Lord. Five people this morning. Greatest decision a human being can make. Amen. Now, raise your hand up high again for me. Those five. Raise your hand up high. Amen. Now, those of you nearby, just gently place your hand on them. We're going to pray with them right back here. Thank you, Derek. Right over here. Amen. He loves you, sister. He loves you. Naomi, will you take her purse? Thank you. I hear the Lord say, Jeremiah 31, 3. He says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I've never not loved you. And I've drawn you to myself with my loving kindness. What that means is, is in, on your good days and your bad days, I remain faithful. I cannot deny myself. 
thank you, Lord, for my sister. Let's pray this out loud with each of these five. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning to receive life, your divine life in Christ. Apart from you, I was dead. But today, I come alive on the inside by your Spirit, Lord Jesus. Enter my heart. Enter my mind. Enter my body. Become my Lord, my Savior, and my very best friend. Lord Jesus, from this day on, I belong to you. Good, bad, and ugly, I am yours. Thank you for beginning the process of making me who you wanted me to be all along. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Come on. Hallelujah.